Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. The book of Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. Notice if you will with me, the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Why was that? For the people had a mind to work. For the people had a mind to work. Based on that, I want to talk to you from this topic this morning. Members with a mind to work. Members with a mind to There is a saying that membership has its privilege. And to a certain extent, that can be true. When we think of privilege, we think in terms of special rights, advantages, and benefits only available to a particular person or a group. We have certain privileges when it comes to being a child of God. Certain promises, favors, blessings, peace, and prosperity that comes from God. Membership can be defined as belonging to a group. It can be defined as the relation of a set or class or belonging to an organization. In school, students can be members of the National Honor Society or the Science Club or the Chess Club. They may be also part of a sports program. Adults can be members of clubs or organizations as well as civic clubs or something like a gardening club. When a person becomes a member of the organization, they are saying, I'm going to uphold the statutes, bylaws, and customs of the organization in exchange for the benefits of that particular group or organization. If a person becomes a member of the gardening club, they exchange ideas and strategies on how different plants and flowers can grow. Or they're learning from the basics. In exchange, they bring their expertise on what works and what does not work when it comes to caring for plants and flowers and so forth. There's a benefit in there. I learn how, I learn different techniques of how to grow plants and flowers, but on the other hand, I offer my expertise and things I've learned over the years. There's something that goes back and forth. Some of my parents and grandparents may, could have been a part of some of these groups. Could have been leaders in the garden club had they had the opportunity or the privilege. And sometimes it just wasn't offered to them because of what was going on in that time. If we're going to access or join a group, membership or organization, we have to agree to be governed by the guidelines of that group. At times we can become a member of an organization, not even know the expectation, the vision, uh, the seat procedures of that organization. That's why it's important to read, observe, see ongoing understanding of how that group operates so that you can be governed to make sure that you take advantage of the benefits that comes along with that group. For example, being a member of Overcomers Christian Center, we have, we have expectations and guidelines for each member to help us fulfill vision and function effectively as a Christ-led church. 
For example, participation in corporate prayer, 930 to 950. Why? Because we want to be a church that prays so we don't fake. We're going to be like Jesus said, what we call a house of prayer, not just talking prayer, but praying. Second, another example will be coming engaged in our weekly Sunday morning worship experience at 10 a.m. Purpose so that we can come together as a body of believers to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, as well as come and receive knowledge and understanding from his word, insight and wisdom to navigate in this life. And of course, you know, we start at 10 o'clock a.m., not 10.08, not 10.02, not 10.15. And you got to watch who you follow and making sure that they are on time like we all are. Amen? Third one here is to bring tithes and give God, bring God his tithes and give a good offering. We believe in bringing God his tithes and offering, a generous offering, uh, Every time, every time we come into the house, sometime before we get here, and I appreciate all of you who continue to give to the ministry, because that's how this ministry operates on tithes and offerings. We come to hear and apply and share God's written and revealed word through virtual Bible study, auxiliary meetings, witnessing to others, and so forth. We support mission work, foreign mission, local mission, Honduras, Bremen Food and Closing Bank, Lending a hand up ministry, backpack ministry, back to school programs and so forth. We believe in the apostolic doctrine, the baptism in the name of Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit, the teaching of Jesus and that he is the one true and living God. God, the father in creation, God, the son of redemption, God, the Holy Spirit and regeneration. At OCC, we've seen the blessing. We continue to see the blessings. Advantage in favor that we see just by being a blessing to others. And it's a blessing. And I believe to me it's a privilege to be members of this great church that God is working in and through that's operating based on the word of God. I tell you, I don't want to be, I don't want to do anything that's not based on scripture. I don't want to do anything based on what I think or how it should go and so forth. We want to do it based on the word of God. Thank God his grace and his mercy upon us and keeping us. Nonetheless, there is one membership that I want to make sure that we are all part of. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. The book of First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. The Bible reads as follows, but God, now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. So notice this, but now God has set. Now notice what he does. He establishes us. He places us. He makes us. Who does he do? The members. Those persons belonging to a particular group. The ones that are part of the organization. Each one of them, he's going to place them in the body. Notice this, the body is a living organism. One thing when you're part of the body, the body functions. It doesn't just sit around and do nothing. The body functions. Everybody say the body functions. I want you to know when you're part of the body, you're going to function. You're going to do things. You're going to operate not in what you think because we're not the head of the body. Y'all missed that, didn't you? See, the body can only move or should move as the head tells it to move. 
What would it look like my brain telling my foot to get uh, my feet to walk, but yet they want to they want to do a handstand? It wouldn't be a pretty sight up here. Y'all follow me here? We have to allow the head or the Holy Spirit to tell us how to function. And so he says, says, I'm going to place them in the body. Who is he placing? He's placing members in the body. He's not just placing anybody, but he's placing members in the body. The body is those that are united by a common idea or thought. It is also defined as the church. We are common. Our common denominator is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why he puts us in the body. We believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when we believe in that, he places us in the body. But notice this, it's not as we think it should be done, but as it pleases him. It is his will, his desire, and his purpose. From the text, we see that the Lord places or establishes believers in the body, which represents the body of Christ as a whole, as well as the local church, as it aligns with his purpose. We have to be aware that while we hope that everyone joins our church as divinely placed and established, we know that's not always the case. In fact, we can see a lot of movement, inconsistency, in and out, and such like. We know that God does not make mistakes. He knows where he places each and every one of us. And he knows why he placed us there, too. And you may not know it at first, but you keep on allowing the word of God to change you and grow you and and uh, conform you into his image. You're going to see who God called for you to be. Therefore, you can be fixed, solid, growing, increasing, producing, prospering, and operating in purpose. Not just, and not only that, you can help those around you as well. He desires for us to see knowledge and understanding of his word, but he also is pleased we will contribute to the church in a manner that he sees fit. For example, my contribution to the church may be hospitality. It may be serving and greeting others as they come in. It may be preparing boxes for the community, preparing meals for those in need, working on preparing the podcast or videos for YouTube and so forth. I, I must realize I am created and divinely placed to serve a purpose within my local church. But I must first of all be transformed to be suitable for my new purpose. Remember, God has placed me here, but he's got to fix me as he places me here. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. The book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Notice what it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's read that again. And be and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So notice this. He brings me into the body. And now he's telling me I need to transform. I need to change into another form. I need to convert. I need to be reformed. How is that? By the renewing, the renovating, the restructuring, the rebuilding of what? My mind. My mind needs to be changed. Now, my mind may be okay, but it's not where God wants it to be at. 
And see, you can't get lost in the fact that you may be okay yesterday doesn't mean you're going to be ready for what God has for you tomorrow. We got to understand that so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul was letting the reader know as well as us know that this Christian journey as members of the body of Christ, we must have a lifestyle of allowing the word of God to renovate our minds. This is our lifestyle. I say, Lord, you know, what is it you want me to know today? God, how are you changing me today? And even today, even as I speak to you right now, God is doing something by his spirit that is changing your mind for the better. And thank God he's doing that. So you don't even know why you need it. But God knows because he's a spirit of truth. He can show you things to come. Remember what, how we define that. He prepares you for what's about to take place in your life. So he's going to, he's getting you ready right now. Somebody lift one hand and say, God is getting me ready right now. We get me ready right now. Get me ready for next week, next month and so forth. We need to rebuild and restructure when it comes to how we perceive things, our understanding of things, as well as the process and how we do things. Many times we think and understand based on our experiences, pains and our triumphs. Everyone brings a different perspective. What if God sets the standards and restructures our mind to have the mind of Christ rather than our personal thinking? We must all realize that our current way of thinking, talking, and acting is not, it's not our best for God. It might be better, but it's not our best when it comes to God. That's why God has a plan for each of us to have the mind of Christ by taking heed to God's written and revealed word. Go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. The book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. I want you to notice what it says here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it's important that we let this mind, the mind, the understanding, the thinking, the opinions and the interests of Christ be in you. Let it be in you. I don't listen. I thank God for my opinion. I like, I thank God for what I got. But you know what? I, I appreciate the mind of Christ. Why? Paul said it like this. I count all the things I've learned as dumb that I may know or have a better understanding of Christ. And you find out that it is much better to know Christ, how he, his opinions, his, his thinking, his interests better than it is to know mine. It's going to make life a whole lot better. Having the mind of Christ is a huge benefit for a believer. It's a huge benefit. One, if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, having the mind of Christ is a huge benefit. As I understand the way of thinking is being transformed to think, talk, and act more like Jesus, we see the results of our life will be better. Our church should operate in a manner that reflects the body of Christ. The foundation of ministry should be supported by biblical principles. I should realize the same benefits from being a member of OCC as I do the body of Christ. Let's talk about some of the benefits of being a member of the body of Christ. One, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is a benefit. Go to Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. The book of Acts chapter 4 
and verse 31. I thank God for his benefits. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And when they had prayed, the place that they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled. And the field means they were, the space was occupied. It was full with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, you would think that people would value the Holy Spirit. But not, there's some people that don't value being filled with the Holy Ghost. Because they'll go a whole, they'll go weeks and months and not even ask the Holy Spirit what's, how to minister or what he's doing in their life. If you got the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit deals with you on a day by day basis, you're in a blessed position. You are in a blessed position. The second one is to worship Jesus. John 4 24. Let's go there. John 4 and verse 24. But the hour is coming and now is, it's 23, excuse me, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now notice, he's seeking somebody to worship him. Why not you be the worshiper? Why not you? Everybody else is doing what they do. Why not you be the worshiper that worships the Father in spirit and in truth? And notice what he said, God is the spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if anybody needs to be worshiping Jesus, it needs to be us. It needs to be us. It, listen, you don't worship God just on Sunday. You worship him. This is your lifestyle. Tuesday afternoon, you worship him. Wednesday morning, you worship him. Friday afternoon, you worship him. And then when you get in here on Sunday, it's just it's just something you keep on doing. It's a part of your lifestyle. Now listen, when they say clap, you're already, you're already to clap. When they start to sing the songs of Zion, you're already singing the songs of Zion. Why? Cause you are a worshiper. Ooh, shine that up. Listen, you could be in your car, you could be a worshiper. You could be walking in your job, you're a worshiper. Don't wait till tragedy happens and now you want to start worshiping and asking the Father to show up. Worship Him before those things happen. Third one I want to talk about is sowing seed. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Notice what it says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that he will also reap. So notice in Galatians 6 and verse 7 that he says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked for whatever a man sows. And we have some sores in this sanctuary. We have some believers that sow, that scatter, that plant, that disperse what God tells them to sow. I, we have some sowers in this sanctuary. We have some people that sow not only financially, but they sow prayers. They sow helping others. They sow in. Listen, I think you sympathize somebody that sows. See, y'all to say, man, you may not be sympathizing somebody that sowed in. Listen, you may be close to somebody that sows. There are some people in this sanctuary that they used to be stingy, but now they sow. I mean, they sow financially, they sow their time, they sow their effort, they sow commitment, they sow. And therefore, they're reaping.
harvest, even as I talk to you right now. I'm talking about they got a mighty harvest going on. I'm talking about their eyes have not seen nor ears heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Oh, you got a, you sit beside a sower. You sit close to a sower. In fact, in the seat that you sitting right in right now, that person is a sower. Somebody should have said amen right there. Oh, you're talking about me, Pastor Dobbs, because I'm a sower. I believe in sower. I believe in giving as the Holy Spirit directs me to give. And thank God that you do it. And the fourth one I'm talk about is to be fed God's written and revealed word. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. The book of Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you, going to teach you, going to instruct you, going to guide you, going to govern you with knowledge and understanding that comes from God's word. It's not going to be their opinion. It's not going to be what they think, but it's going to be knowledge and understanding that comes from God's word. So real quickly, there are more benefits than this. There are four major benefits of being a member of the body of Christ, especially here at Overcomers Christmas Center. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to worship Jesus. You're going to sow seed, and you're going to be fed God's written and revealed word. You know what's kind of interesting about that when I was thinking about this or I've been thinking about this is that some people can, well, try to take, they don't really realize how blessed they are to have God's written and revealed word on a week by week basis. Oh, you can, listen, I've seen and I've heard some people do some unusual teaching. Now, I'm not saying it's biblical based neither. It was just unusual teaching and they did not give the people God's written and revealed word. So it's a blessing to be in the house of God to receive God's written and revealed word. So each week we come into God's house, we we should see it as a benefit that would enhance our life for the better and not look at it as a burden. It's not a burden for me to come to church. It's not a burden for me to come and pray. It's not a burden for me to come and give. It's not a burden for me to worship God because I know it's going to make my life better. When I give, I know God going to give back to me good measure, press down, shake it together and run it over. I know when I worship the Father in spirit and in truth, yokes are going to be destroyed, burns are going to be removed. Lord, God is doing something great in the midst of his people. Now, let's go back over to Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3. I, Nehemiah, who worked for the king, the mighty man of God. Nehemiah 1 and 3, Nehemiah had received a message concerning his people. It was a message that weighed heavily on Nehemiah. It was one that caused him to think about his life and what was going on. Nehemiah 1 and 3 reads as follows. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So Nehemiah is doing his, let's say, doing his job, doing what he's called to do. He works for the king and now Nehemiah has received 
a message. The message says this, the survivors. Now, we talk about survivors, you talk about those who were left alive, those who were spared, those who remain. When you have survivors, they also mean there are some who did not survive. There were loved ones who probably didn't survive. There were family members who did not survive. There were some people that they probably knew that did not survive. Who were left from the captivity. The captivities being those that were imprisoned and confined. Not only that, they, they said those that were in captivity, those were who were imprisoned, those who were confined, are there in, the Bible says, great distress. Great distress, great misery. They were unhappy and they were sad. And all of that, they had a reproach going on. They had a scorn, a shame, and a disgrace. Now notice not only the spiritual mindset, but the mental mindset of the people in Jerusalem. They were in distress and they had reproach. They had, they were miserable, unhappy, sad. They were scorned and shame and disgrace. This affected Nehemiah. Because his people were not in a good state. They were not in a good state. And it, not, only, not only were they not in a good state physically, they mental as well as they, excuse, their mental as well as their spiritual mindset was not in a good place neither. The Jews at the time were not in a good place. And this weighed heavily on Nehemiah's heart. As you read in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned. Not just for an hour or two, but the Bible says... For many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Notice this. When Nehemiah heard these words, he sat down and he cried. He shed tears. He wept bitterly. Not for a day or not for a couple of hours, but for many days, the Bible says. And But while he was doing it, I got to give Nehemiah this. He was fasting and he was praying. Well, I tell you, if you go mourn, it's good to fast and pray while you're mourn. We see here that this situation, I put it to you like this. We know how it is when we see a situation that troubles us. We just can't talk about it. We gotta, just can't be speaking faith about it, but we gotta do something about it. We gotta put some work with our talk and with our faith. Go to James 2 and 17. James 2 and 17. A lot of people talk about doing something, but they wait for somebody else to do it. When the Lord has put something on your heart to do, it's up to you to do it. Notice James 2 and 17. James 2 and 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So faith... I got faith. I got, I trust God. I believe Him. I have confidence in Him. I have assurance in Him. I believe Jesus. But if I do not have works, a corresponding action is dead. It's destitute of force and power. 
What does that basically mean? If, if you believe in praying, you got to pray. If you believe in giving, you got to give. Don't tell me you believe God, but you don't do anything he tells you to do. Not one thing he tells you to do. Oh, yeah, I believe God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But yet you can't find one evidence of your Christianity. Something sad about that. That's it. Stay right there. So, but anyway, let's, let's go back. But let me say this. You got to do a corresponding action. You can't just do what you want to do and say you're a Christian. You got to be, like he says here, a corresponding action or something that God wants you to do in that particular situation. See, when the Lord puts someone on your heart, do you pray for them? Do you reach out to them? Do you text them? Do you give them a phone call? Or you say somebody else is going to do it? Oh, I'm going to do it later. And you know what happened later? Oh, well, you might not be like me. You forget. You forget. Man, I thought about something I was supposed to do two days ago. Last night, about midnight. Could do nothing about it then. Just forgot. So you have to, when the Lord puts it upon your heart, sometimes I go to the bathroom just praying. Lord, she cast up both sides. I'm praying. You told me to pray for so and so. I'm praying for so and so right now. Lord, I'm praying for him right now. And listen, you got to be real deep. Prayer can make a difference, but you got to pray. You got to pray. Well, Pastor, I'm going to pray for him later. And you might be good. You might remember all the people you're supposed to pray for. But I, I, I just learned I better go and pray for them right now because I'm about to forget what, who it is I'm about to pray for. And so it goes on here. Let's go back up to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. We'll look at verses 2 and 3. Remember now. Remember how Nehemiah failed. He, was, he wept bitterly. He was fasting and he was mourning. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 2. So now Nehemiah runs across the king. The king sees him. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 1 and read down. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Taxerus, when him that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king also said to me, Why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, there is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb, lies waste, waste, and its gates are burned with fire? Notice this, his face was sad. He had a sad countenance about him. And he goes and he tells the king what the problem is. And I, I, let me say this to you. Nehemiah had favor with the king. Talk about somebody who had privilege and benefits. Nehemiah had because sometimes, and the reason that he could he got afraid was I read in one historical account that if you had a sad countenance before the king, he could just kill you, have you killed just like that. So now Nehemiah had, he's got favor for the king. And then in verse 4, he says this, Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I just didn't answer the king off the top of my head. I prayed and asked him, What is it? 
what is it, God, that you want me to ask him? And so he prayed to him. He said, the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servants found favor in your sight, I will ask that you send me to Judah and to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. And after Nehemiah had made arrangements, because he got what he asked the king for, isn't it good to have favor with the king? Some people may look at you funny, but you got favor with the king. Hallelujah. Woo, shout out. So anyway, after Nehemiah, Nehemiah had made arrangements to go and rebuild the wall along with the gate, and he had the necessary supplies along with the permission from the king, he ran into some problems along the way when he got back to Jerusalem to build the wall. And let me say this to you, not everyone near, uh, excuse me, not everyone around Nehemiah was excited and in agreement with him in his effort to do what was right for his people. And I'll be honest with you, you better understand this. Not everybody going to be excited when you want to do right. You might as well get over that. I want everybody to be happy. <laughs> Woo! That ain't going to happen. Now, a lot of people be happy for you, but there going to be some out there that not going to be happy that you want to do right. And we must understand as a body of believers, individuals was corporately, we will have enemies to pop up and try to hinder our progress and productivity. And some enemies will be out of the camp, but some might even be in the camp. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. But it so happened when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Notice this. He was furious, heated, angry, and very indignant. He was provoked to anger and even ridiculed and expressed contentment for the Jews because they were trying to help themselves. Trying to help themselves. And here he is trying he upset about it. He is, he is mocking them. He is trying to provoke them to anger. See, when a person starts to live a life pleasing to God, sometimes uh, we're enemies, so-called friends, so-called family members, and even co-workers may become vexed and begin to mock your faith. Oh, you know he ain't saved. You know she ain't saved. Oh, they still... They'll try to mock you. They'll try to make fun of you. Oh, so now you're holy rolling now. Oh, now you'll try to go to church now. You weren't going to church last year when you was out there. You weren't drinking. Let me get out of that. It's good to have believers in our corner when we're trying to do what's right. It's good to have them. See, the enemy will try to tell you that your giving is in vain. Your prayers are not working. Why do you give your money to that church? Why are you praying to the God of heaven? You can't see no God. He ain't doing that. Why is God letting all these things happen on the earth? And you look at him like, and if you ain't careful, you can fall for that nonsense. They tell you, well, God ain't doing nothing. When God is doing something every day because he loves his children daily with benefits. 
They know the sun don't rise by itself. They know it don't rain by itself. They know plants don't grow by themselves. But yeah, God ain't doing nothing for you. No, you're just missing what God's doing for you. Because God is doing something every day. Every day he healed my body. Every day he protected me. Every day he prospered me. Every day he doing something for me. Somebody look toward heaven and say, God doing something for me every day. Every day. I can't go a day without God doing something for me. I can't go an hour without God doing something for me. I can't go nowhere without God doing something. Ride down the road. God keep the cars on the other side of the road. And sometimes he keep me on the right side of the road. Thank y'all for the two and a half. Amen. Some of, y- some of y'all ain't got it yet. Yeah, you think you drive good all the time. But let me tell you, sometimes it's God keeping your car on the right side of the road. And so he goes on. Goes on here. That's why I thank God for believers. Because while they were talking, there were other believers building the wall. There were other people that were helping them. They were building the wall. But the enemy was still talking. And see, the enemy will try to bring a witness to convince you that what God is not making is not making your life bigger and better. While God is doing the work all at the same time, making your life bigger and better. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you notice in the next, in Nehemiah 4 and verse 3. Nehemiah 4 and verse 3. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. <laughs> Woo, whatever they build, if a fox goes up on it, he's going to break. He's going to separate into pieces. It's going to lose its strength, that wall that they're building. If a fox run across the wall, it's going to fall down. Line, line, line. But if you believe the lie of the enemy, that's going to be your problem. They knew how to build. And they were building the correct way. But see, some people will know you're doing right and still speak wrong over you. Because your rightness shows up they're wrong. And so in order to feel better about myself, I got to put you down on my level so in turn, I can feel better about myself. But tell you never, I ain't going down with you. <laughs> oh, no, I ain't going down now. What God, what God has for me is for me. Amen. Glory be to God. Tobiah wanted them to think that the wall they were building would not keep the enemy out. So why build it? Why build it? There have been some Jews who were challenged in their minds, but there's others who decide to keep building the wall. As these two individuals, Tobiah and Sambalat, were talking to the, actually to Nehemiah and his group, they were still building. They were still building. They were still building. They talking, but they building. You got to be, let me say this to you. I will say this for later. Let me get it sticking now. You can't let people distract you from your purpose. And you can't engage every conversation that comes your way. 
Because if not, you'll be engaged, listen, engaged in a conversation where you actually should be building, but here you are talking to some people that really ain't got your best interests at heart. Sometimes you got to let some conversation just go by the wayside. Talk about you, but don't respond to it. They did, they were talking about them, but they were continually building the wall. We got to continue to build, y'all. Got to continue to build. Try and discourage it from building. Whether or not we're lead, leading in a church, your home, your business, your family, your work, etc., we must have a strong and consistent prayer life. We've got to have a prayer life. Because as our prayers are going to help us to work out our soul salvation. See, the enemy knows that, listen, we are protected because we're working out our soul salvation as described in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 reads as follows. Therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own, sal- so, uh, own salvation with fear and trembling. So notice that he wants us to work it out, to perf- achieve something, to accomplish something. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me say this to you. As you build, excuse me, as you're working out your soul's salvation, you, you're not always going to be perfect in how you do it, but keep on building. Your prayers may not always be perfect, but keep on praying. Your giving may not always be right, but keep on giving. Your study of scripture, you may not always understand it, but keep on studying. Keep on working out your soul salvation. You may not get it right every time, but keep on building. Don't get it right, repent, and get back in there. Don't you let the enemy talk you away from what you should be doing. Because you won't always do it right. I was thinking about this is in my mind. Somebody they could have been building something, and they were going through, and they were slapping mud down there, and all of a sudden they were slapping up on a certain spot, or they slipped it somewhere else, and it's like, oh, that ain't right. That wall going to fall down. No, I'm just going to keep on building. I'm going to keep on, keep on doing it till I get it right. And this is the mindset you got to have. I'm going to keep on doing it till I get it right. I'm going to keep on praying till I get it right. I'm going to keep on loving you until I get it right. I'm going to keep on doing what God told me to do until I get it right. Whoosh, I got a boat. Got to keep on doing it. Can't stop because I mess up. Go, let me tell you a little secret. Everybody messes up. What, Pastor, you talking about sister so-and-so? Yes, they mess up. You talking about uh, brother so-and-so? Yeah, they mess up. But keep on going. Because everybody that messes up has another opportunity to get it right. Got another opportunity to get it right. Well, I ain't the best uh, husband in the world. Keep on working at it, my brother. You'll get it right. I ain't the best wife in the world. Keep on working at it till you get it right. I'm not the best single in the world. Keep on working at it till you get it right. Keep on going until you get it right. I ain't the best youth uh, Christian in the world. Well, keep on working at it till you get it right. 
Listen, if sometimes when you're in school, you don't always make a hundred on every test that you take. And sometimes you don't make enough passing grade, but the teacher will give you an opportunity to get it right. Keep on studying till you get it right. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Just keep on working till you get it right. And that's why the devil mad at you. That's why he's upset with you. Because you keep on coming until you get it right. You keep on worshiping until you get it right. You keep on giving until you get it right. You keep on loving until you get it right. You keep on doing it. That's why weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the... Who shout that up, Osanda? Keep on going until you get it right. Keep on going till you get it right. That's a word for somebody in the sanctuary. Keep on going till you get it right. Yeah, the doctor gave up on me, but keep on going till I get it right. Yeah, the school gave up on me, but keep on going till I get it right. Yeah, the job, they said they can't use me anymore, but I guarantee you somebody got another job for me. Keep on going until you get it. Keep on going till you get it right. Oh, she cut out on Sunday. This was somebody in the sanctuary. Keep on going till you get it right. Look, I know you messed up, but keep on going till you get it right. Yeah, I know you didn't do it right, but keep on going till you get it right. Yeah, they laughed at you, but keep on going till you get it right. Lord, they talked about you, but keep on going until you get it. Got to keep on building. Got to keep on building. Oh, shut up. Got to keep on building. Let's go back over to Nehemiah 4 and verse 4 and Nehemiah 4 and verse 5. He wrote God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Listen, he said, turn their shame, their scorn, their disgrace on them. Then in verse 5, and, and, and please, Lord, do not cover, hide, or conceal their iniquity. And do not let their sin be blotted out, out before. For you are provoked. For they have provoked you to anger, to indignation, to being vexed before the builders. We have to pray that God will expose the enemy in any traps he may have for you. You need to ask God, God, what kind of trap the enemy got? I got to watch out for that trap. And, and, and see, the enemy is subtle. He don't always lay out a, a huge trap for you. He's he going to lay out something that's subtle. It's going to be maybe on a television program, but it's subtle. Social media posts, but it's subtle. It's something that's in your, that he knows that you maybe desire or want or whatever. He's subtle with it. But you got to watch out for the trap of the enemy. And if you fall into it, repent. One of the saddest things I see is when people mess up, they act like God didn't know that they messed up. Repent. God saw you when you, when you, listen, we're tipping and dipping. He knew. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Everything. He knows when you're about to mess up. He knows when you have the thought in your head. First, second, he got there. And he'll say, Lord, just repent. Just repent. That's what I know about David. I remember David messed up. And, and uh, they were going on about their business, boy, until the prophet came. And when the prophet came, hey, but you know what David did though? Oh God, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, God. I messed up. I did it wrong, God. But David didn't give up. He kept on going. See, I'm telling you, that's what, when you look at the Bible, you start reading scripture, you understand people mess up all the time. But it's how they respond to it that makes the difference. That makes the difference. Now, let's go a little further. Nehemiah had to trust the Lord would take care of his enemies. Going back and forth with the enemy does not get the wall built. Going back and forth with the enemy does not get the wall built. Let me say that to my people on this side over here. Going back and forth with the enemy does not get the wall built. Pray and keep on moving. Pray and keep on moving. We have to learn that enemy is trying to distract us with useless activities and conversations that would take us away from our purpose. And then he goes on down in Nehemiah 4 verse 6. So we built the wall. An entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. I want you to notice the people had a understanding, a determination, and a heart to work or to produce something productive, to accomplish something, to bring about a desired purpose in God. The people had a mind. Listen, these enemies were talking that stuff, as we say, but the people had a mind to work. It was not just Nehemiah by himself, because if you look at this description of the wall, Nehemiah couldn't have built this wall by himself. But he had people with like-mindedness that were helping him with the process. And they also, the ones that were helping Nehemiah build the wall, also had the mindset that I'm helping the individuals that Nehemiah had heard about in Jeremiah 1 and 3. You remember in Jeremiah 1 and 3, when Nehemiah first got the message that the people, the survivors, they were in great distress and they were with reproach. They, the individuals under Nehemiah's leadership, were going to help the people and when they, as they work together, both spiritually and mentally. Because let me say this to you. What good is a wall if people are still unhappy, depressed, and so forth? What good is this church if people are going to remain in a backslidden condition, and unforgiveness, and bitterness, and pride, and not trying to please the Lord wholeheartedly? I thank God for this building, but I'm more concerned about the sheep. The sheep are precious to God. Yeah, because you can build a wall. We can build a church. But if we can't help you spiritually and, and mentally, renew your mind with the word of God. Feed you knowledge and understanding. Then what, what good are we doing? Nehemiah. Got the message that there were survivors and they were in great distress and reproach. But Nehemiah did something about it. And the wall helped the people recover spiritually and mentally. The church is here to help us spiritually and mentally. The church is here to help us 
when we're dealing with trouble, dealing with life, got need answers, it's there to help us. That's why when we as members have a mind to do kingdom work, we can expect the word of God to empower us and equip us to do the following. I want to give you three examples. Help others who have survived the harsh and twisted treatment of the world and the enemy by feeding them the word of God. First Peter chapter two and verse two. First Peter chapter two and verse two. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. So those individuals who have survived, because remember, Nehemiah was talking, excuse me, had heard about the survivors. But when survivors, they survive some things. And when they survive, they need it. They need the word of God to help build them back up. That's why First Peter 2 and 2 is so important. Second one is help brings protection, peace, and prosperity to those who are unhappy or sad. To bring about protection. Remember that the wall is a protection. Bring about peace and prosperity to those who are unhappy or sad. Psalms 91 verse 1 and 2. Psalms 91 verse 1 and verse 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High should abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. And the third one I'll talk to you about is this. Help those who have been disgraced, deceived, and scorned by the tricks and traps of the devil are and their flesh. They're survivors. And and you ain't lived long enough so you've been tricked by your own flesh. Deceived and scorned by the trips, the tricks and the traps, tricks and traps of the devil. Galatians 6 and 1. Galatians 6 and 1. Brother, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. See, when members have a mind to work, they're not only building a church or building a wall, they are helping people. They're helping people. They're helping people. This membership appreciation. Always remember, we're here to help people. We're here to help We're here to help people. Real quickly, can y'all two in the back please stand for me? Listen, when you pray, I want you to put a face on who you're praying for. You're praying for this family right here. These are real people. These are people that you come in contact with on a weekly basis. Well, they ain't got no problems. They're humans. They're humans. They may not advertise it on their face, but they're people. We pray, I see your face. But I, I didn't pray for them. Let's see. Brother, will you please stand for me? Well, this brother here, he ain't got no problem. He's a person. When I pray, I'm praying for him. See, 
When that wall, the wall is okay. But it's the people we're here to help. Put a face to the person you're helping. Hold on. Well, I, if you don't pray, how can we help him? Thank you, my brother. Stand with me. I'm helping him. I'm helping him. I'm helping him. I want you to see who you're helping. We come here on, listen, it ain't about just me clapping and, and you clapping and so forth. It's about helping him. 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 A real person. A real human being that Christ died for. I'm helping him. When I come and gather together, I'm not just gathering with just, I'm helping him. Would you mind standing up for us? When I'm praying and I'm coming together, as the Bible tells me in Hebrews 10 to 25, for Satan not to assemble ourselves together. I'm coming. One reason I'm coming is because of her. This is a real person, y'all. This is real. So if I don't pray, I'm not, I'm, I'm missing my prayer for a real person. You know what I give? I'm giving because I know that my giving is helping. So I just put a dollar in the offering. How can I help? This is a real person. See, I read all these scriptures and I, and I and we go through all these all these different processes, but realize who you helping. Thank you. Stand for me, my sister. Now, I know y'all probably heard the testimony a few months ago she gave. But I'm going to just, let's bring it home to you just for a moment. Bring it home just for a moment. When you prayed, when her husband went flatline, you were helping her. Well, what if I didn't pray? We might be having a different conversation. A praying church. You think the doctor can always raise people back up when they go flatline? They're humans. One mistake and it would, could have been over. Stand up, dear. Oh, both of y'all. Both of y'all stand up. Her father, her husband. Real people that we pray for on a week-by-week week basis. Hope they don't need everything we pray about. But we understand that when we do pray with her father flatline, her husband flatline, prayers can whoop, kick in. Glory be to God. Well, I ain't got time to pray. Oh, pastor pray for him. I ain't got to pray for him. The ministers will pray for him. I ain't got to pray for him. These are real people. So when members have a mind to work, they're helping her. 
They're healthy, hurt. You may be seated. They're healthy, hurt. Raise your hand just so I can see you are. Everybody look around. Don't look at me. Look at her. You help with her. Dear, raise your hand there. Let's see you are. Yeah, yeah. Y'all see her? Y'all helping her? When members have a mind to work, we're helping her. I mean, listen, when members have a mind to work, they are helping her. They're helping her. They're helping her. Thank you, my sister. They're helping her. When members have a mind to work, just take a moment and look around the sanctuary. These are the people you are helping. You know, I praise and worship. It's helping. Look around. The giving is helping. Look around. Yeah, I know y'all pray for me, but I'm talking about don't just think about me. Because if I can't feed you all knowledge and understanding, never think your giving is in vain. Never think your prayer is in vain. Never think that what you do for the kingdom of God. Listen, every time they hit one of these instruments, they're helping us. Every time they practice, they're helping us. Every time brother puts a, listen, a, the bags together for our children over at the elementary school, even though you may not get one item out of it, it's helping you. It's helping you. It's helping you. When members have a mind to work, they're not, listen, they, be, they can be just like the Jews who were building the wall. They may not be going through distress or anything else, but they're building. Because they know it's going to help the ones who were being challenged spiritually and mentally. And as we come in on a week by week basis, we're not just helping ourselves, but we're helping everybody in the sanctuary. Do me a favor. Look around one more time real quickly. Everybody stand I'll, I'll make sure you can see everybody. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I, I'm not asking you to go anywhere. I just want you to look around. Not up here. I want you to look around. These are the people you're helping. These are the real people you're helping. Well, Pastor, I, I, they don't look like, like they're going through that. You don't have to look like anything to be dealing with something spiritually or mentally. That's why we need people who are praying for one another. Just like we talked about here, restore one in the spirit of meekness, Galatians 6 and 1. Help bring about protection, peace, and prosperity to those who are unhappy and sad. And those who have survived the harsh and twisted treatment of the world. Members with a mind. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for his words. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Benward Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.